Hey guys, welcome back to the Bible Unfiltered. This is a podcast where we are dedicated to taking our theological filters off of the Bible and just letting it say what it has to say. I'm John. And I am David. Awesome. Well, let's get into this. Um, We're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to take a break from the Roman series and deviate a little bit. Um, And this week, um, our show, the the episode is going to be about verses in the Bible that are taken out of context. Which happens often. It's very annoying. It happens all the time. Yeah, it's not... It derives from a lack of expositional preaching. It's like topical, and then we go find what we want. We have a an idea of what we already want to, um, I guess you could say, use the Bible as confirmation bias. And then you just look for places where it's like, oh, yeah, that, that says what I want it to say. That, that must be um, what it's actually meaning. Right. Most of the time, it's not. And most of the time, with the verses that are taken out of context, if you go read them in context... What it's actually saying is the exact opposite of what they're trying to say that it says. So that's right. a problem. And um, a big thing we do here in America is we we don't know how to read our Bibles. Um, like we don't recognize that the – like we take the Bible and it's like, here's my rules for how to live my life. It's my love letter from God. You hear that a lot. Yeah. But, you know, there's – each of the books were written in a certain way. Some are historical, and you should read them as historical. Like, right. okay, this is what happened, A, B, and C. Um, some of them are poetry. So right. there's a lot of word pictures. Some of them... Um, more symbolic, than, yeah, more than, symbolic. Than, than literal. Right. Yeah. Uh, some of them are, you know, wisdom. Like, here's your, like, Proverbs. It's like, here's your little bits and nuggets of, of wisdom. Um, and... It's a bunch of different genres. Yeah, 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 and it's important to 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 realize that because I've always heard um, the the saying, <clears throat> um, "I read the Bible literally," and they mean that in a positive way, but that's that's not really a good thing. Um, what what I would say is, read the Bible literally when it's written literally, right? When it's symbolic, keep that in mind and know that it's symbolic. Um, and there's this is a complete side note, but it's interesting. Um, there's there's a guy that's, I don't remember his name, but he's doing um, some research into Genesis, and he's finding some parallels between um, other works of that time that were a specific genre. And so um, a lot of people have issues with the creation story, and, and, and they're, you know, they're like, well, you really think that it was six or seven days? Like on the third day this happened, um, there's some evidence that that may be a little more flexible. It's it, obviously we know that Genesis is is not to be. Um, let me be careful here. Um, it's not like a science book. Okay, right. It's just recording um, what happened, and that may not be literally exactly what happened. Um, right. Maybe more symbolic in some areas, and then in other areas, it may be literal. Genesis one is actually a very old poem that they would recite um verbally you know or it it was a oral tradition you could say so the israelites abraham before they start writing things down up on the mountain you know uh, moses goes up on the mountain he writes a bunch of stuff down um part of that tradition is um genesis 1 which they would have been reciting um orally for a while so that's why it has the patterns it's like day and then night and then the first day the last you know and 
Yeah. Uh, it's just to help them remember, mm-hmm. you know, how well, things went. And that's a very important point. Um, Jordan Peterson, who I enjoy, he's not a Christian, but maybe he will be one day. That would be awesome. He's um, But yeah, he he has done um, uh, a very extensive study into Genesis, and one of the things that he noted was um, you can you can try to say that you don't believe it, like whatever, but most assuredly, the things that were memorable were remembered um, in the Genesis story. So uh, that's important because we don't really know what that's like now. We have books, we have things. Well, if we forget it, we can go back. Um, But they were preserving their history um, in these traditions. So um, anyways, that's just kind of an opening. Um, In the process of this, um, David and I also found uh, Bible verses that just aren't in the Bible. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we'll probably do a separate episode of those. Um, but there's some stuff that's that's thrown around that re- just isn't there. Right. They just kind of become of our become part of like our uh, national DNA. I think they're just like these quick little sayings that are like, "Oh, that sounds biblical. Let's yeah. just say that." And it's like, "Oh no, that's yeah. nowhere in the Bible." No. It's just you it's like the Mandela effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, or is it the effect or phenomenon where? I guess like a lot of people thought that Nelson Mandela died like back in the 90s. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah. And a lot of people believe this and there's all all sorts of different things that go with that. But anyways, um so today we're just going to be talking about verses taken out of context. Um next week we'll probably continue on into Romans. And then hopefully we've got some exciting things um coming up. Maybe we'll have a guest on for the first time, so we'll see how that goes. Who knows? Who knows? All right, so um, the first the first verse that we're going to tackle is Job twenty two verse twenty eight, and I'll go ahead and read that. I'll read it in the King James, and you'll be wondering, you know, why King James? I hate the King James. It's it's old English. I don't speak that. Just hold on, <laughs> we'll get there. I don't like it either, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no offense to anyone who loves the King James. But. Yeah. Well, no, no, we weren't saying that we hate the King James, but people that hate it, we understand. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, it's hard I, to understand. It's, it's archaic. Yeah. If we live back in the 17, 1700s, we'd be all right, but we don't. So, you know, move on. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Job 22, verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. So... This verse, um, right off the bat, is often used to justify this idea of decreeing things in our lives. You'll often hear a lot of prosperity pastors. They'll be like, you know, here's you need to write down your vision, and then you need to decree it over your life. Like that's part of your your prayer. You need to do your morning prayers, and also you be decreeing these things over your life. So if you want a new car, you know, oh, I'm going to speak this positively into existence in a way. Right, and surely the person, I mean, because. <laughs> the the context doesn't really matter. Surely the person that spoke that was the protagonist in, in the book of Job, right? Right, right. Like Job, he wanted a new car <laughs> and he was just busy speaking that into existence. No, but fun, <laughs> funnily enough, if you go read the context, which I'll implore you to do, um, it's it's the opposite of that. Right. Well, the funny thing about Job, again, it's that very old literature. It's one of the oldest um, books in the Bible, like from a writing standpoint. Um, this was. Uh, this isn't taking place in a, a Jewish world or a Christian world or even Abrahamic covenant or world. This is either the same time Abraham was still Abram and not quite you know under the covenant yet, um, or a little bit before that. You know, this is 
someone living under Noah's law. He's trying to serve God the best he can. Um, and so this verse comes from one of Job's friends. And funnily enough, it's one of his friends that has really bad theology. So if you know the story of Job, he's going through a really bad time. He has lost his possessions, his family members, and his his job pretty much. So he has, he has nothing. He has no health. Um, and so all of his friends, they're saying, well, surely you've sinned and messed up in some sort of way. Yeah, you've caused this. Right. This is your fault. You didn't have enough faith. Yeah. So... And Job knows that that's not the case. Right. Yeah. Right. He, he keeps trying to convince them. He's like, no, I... I I'm, you're not hearing me. I've done everything right. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, you, like, there's something. You need to figure out what it is. Yeah, so, that's not the case. Um, so this verse only works if you read it in the ye old King James, um, because here it is in every other version. Um, it's uh, you will decide on a matter and it will be established to you. But let's, of course, back up and read what he's talking about. Um, so uh, I'll I'll start at verse 21. Agree with God and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. If you remove injustice far from your tents, if you lay gold in the dust and gold of Ophir among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your, uh, will be your gold and your precious silver. For when you will delight yourself in the Almighty... And lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him, and he will hear you. And you will pay your vows. You will decide on a matter, and it will be established for you. And light will shine on your ways. For when you humble your... Uh, humble... Sorry. For when they are humble, you say, it is because of pride. But he, uh, but he saves the lowly. He delivers even the one who is not innocent. He will deliver uh, through the cleanliness. Clean, cleanness of your hands. So that little stumbled <laughs> verse um, is basically saying, you know, you need to repent and humble yourself to the Lord so that you can have a renewed relationship with him. Yeah. And we see that constantly throughout the book. Everyone is, is you know, even his wife, he's like, uh, curse God and die. They're, they're like telling him bad things. And, and Job knows that he hasn't done anything wrong. And he's he's just real humbly. He says, are we not to accept the good from God and not the evil? That's right. Um, but go read Job, because it's a very interesting book. No one really talks about it. Well, I don't hear many people talk about it today, because it's, it's hard to wrap around. But, but basically, Satan or the accuser, uh, it's translated mm-hmm. um, in, in our Bibles most of the time as, as Satan. But the actual word there, um, which Satan just means the accuser. Yep. Uh, but there was someone in God's courts that that basically came to God, and God was like, "Have you considered my servant Job? Like he's righteous." And basically, Satan was like, "Well, yeah, like everything's good for him. Of course, he's gonna he's gonna praise you." And so, you know, God's like, "Well, if I take my hand away from him, then um, then." he won't curse me. And and of course, Satan says, oh, yes, he will. So anyways, the the whole book is going through these terrible things that are happening to Job. Um, And and it's it's a picture of Christ. Uh, We talked about this last week. When you start noticing the themes, okay, so with with his three brothers, not his brothers, but his three friends, um, his three friends were basically telling him to, to repent, you know, at the end of the, the, the story when, when Job is restored, um, and I'm summarizing, please go read it for yourself, but but basically what happens is 
um, they were in the wrong and Job was correct. And um, they they attempt, you know, they, they find this out. They attempt to to pray to God. And basically what God tells them is um, he's not going to hear their prayers. The only prayer uh, that the only person that he's going to hear is Job. And so we see this picture of, of a man that that was dealt um, a bad hand. You know, if, if uh, that's a really way to simplify it. Um, but yet he didn't sin with his mouth. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's restored at the end and then he has to intercede. Mm -hmm. He has to pray on these people's behalf. So the overarching theme is a picture of Jesus, which, I mean, if you read any, any, um, anything in context in the old Testament, that's what you're going to see is, is types and shadows of Jesus. So that's really neat. Go read the book, the whole book, um, and, and be, be blessed. That's right. <laughs> so, okay. The next one I'm going to, I'm going to cover. Um, this is Psalm 4610. And I'm going to start out with the, the out of context, uh, portion. Be still and know that I am God. Um, usually it's, it's just that, you know, but the whole, the whole verse 10 is be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So I know for me when I hear this, what is that accompanied with? You know, be still and go, go, go sit still and wait on God and God will speak to you. You'll know that he's God. Mm -hmm. And it's always a really positive thing. Um, that is the exact opposite of what we're seeing here. So I'm going to back up. Um, we don't have to read the whole Psalm, um, but we are going to start at verse four. Um, there's also another verse in here that is taken out of context. Bonus points if you if you spot it, but we, we may talk about it in the future. That's right. Um, so verse 4, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. If you're wondering, that was it. Like The her is not a particular woman. It's talking about Jerusalem. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. And here we, I mean, that, that was a little bit of context, but verse 8 is really where it picks up. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Beat, and this is quotations, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. What that's saying is God is speaking to his enemies. And he's like, stop. <laughs> I am God. I make the earth desolate. I will... I will set your chariots on fire. I'll break your bows. It's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's the fear of God, yep. you know, and, and we've turned it into um, sometimes a, maybe not a romanticized, but, you know, just go and go sit and be still with God. Well, I don't think that's too far a fetch to say romanticize. I think in a lot of ways the church has like taken what it means to love God and we use the wrong love. We apply romantic love. Our Western idea of that word yeah. yeah so when we hear a verse that says be still i know i am god we think of like a, a dinner date like oh i'm gonna be with my my boyfriend yeah i'm gonna and... go <laughs> i'm gonna go get away from 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 the world 
Um, but that's literally, I mean, when I read that, that blew my mind because I've always heard that. Um, and when I found that, he's like, just stop. Mm-hmm. Like you and I were talking about, you know, if your kid's throwing a fit in your arms, they can't do any, like at the end of the day, they're not going to get what they want unless you give into it, you know? And so God's basically like, I'm not giving in. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm God. I created all this and I can ruin it all too. If I want, I can do what I please. Um, so anyways, that's, that was eye opening to me. Um, the next one is, <laughs> um, the next one is shared by all sorts of people. And a lot of them that aren't, I'm not going to say aren't Christian, but don't seem to be Christian. And they just, they want the upper hand in sports, which I'm not, I'm not going to say that anything is wrong with sports. Cause I don't think that it is, but <clears throat> it is inherently, you know, competitive and you're trying to, to put the other person down. You're trying to prove that you're better. Um, so, yeah. Darn you, sports ball. (laughs) Um, Do you want to read this one? Yeah, I can go ahead and read it. So Philippians 4, 13. I'm I'm sure there's tattoos and plaques with this all over the place. Stop by Hobby Lobby, get yourself one. Yeah, there's there's like the the eye paint on on baseball players, and it's like penciled in in white letters. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, you may be like, well, what's wrong with that, David? That sounds pretty Christian-like to me. That sounds pretty spot on. I can live my dreams. I can do my goals because of what God does uh, through me. I can, I, if I want to be successful in life, I can do that because... He's our know, battery. He, he's our battery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not what Philippians is talking about. It's not talking about reaching our goals or you wanted to cr- climb Mount Everest. Well, guess what? God's going to make sure you can reach the top. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 not biblical. No. <laughs> yeah, no, so dream the god dream. Oh man. Yeah, no. Um that's not what Paul's talking about at all. Um Paul Paul is interesting. All all the apostles are very interesting um compared to how we view them now because um what we would view as success, they didn't gain. Um, there was things that Paul wanted to do, and he never made it because he was he was murdered. Um, but in in the eyes of God, he did exactly what he was supposed to be doing, and that's what this is. That's what this is about. Paul at this time is is he's gone through beatings. You know, th- there's one verse where he talks where um, where he says that he actually he bears the marks of Christ. He has scars on him. He's that people have tried to stop him. Uh, because he's preaching the gospel. And and what this is actually talking about is through all these trials and, and persecutions, um, Christ is our strength if we are, um, if we are um, carrying out his will, uh, which obviously Paul was. Do you want to read the context? Yeah, absolutely. You, you don't have to go very far. It's just the verse above it. Yeah. Um, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, st- uh, how, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, um, abundance and need. Um, uh, so, you know, right there, he, he's like, you know, I know what it's like to, you know, have food on my table, but I also know what it's like not to have, you know, anything. You know, I, uh, he, his strength comes from the Lord to get through that. Yeah. Um, and right after it's that, it's, you know, yet 
uh, yet it was kind of you to share it, uh, to share my trouble. So he's also recognizing the other Christians that they also are suffering with him. Yeah. Well, and I want to read something out of my study Bible here. Um, on on this passage, it says the secret of living amidst amid life's difficulties is simple. Trusting God in such a way that one can say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This does not mean that God will bless whatever a person does. It must be read within the context of the letter, which is emphasis on obedience to God and service to God and others. So that's just food for thought. Um, Let's see. um, We've got another one that I think Paul would be kind of mad if he, which I mean, he had to have known that people were going to take him out of context, but. I still think that it would greatly annoy him. Um, So I hear this one all the time. This is Romans 8, verse 28. Shout out to our Romans series. If you're listening, we're going to continue that. And maybe in about a couple years, we'll get to chapter 8. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. But um, So this one, this verse isn't even taken out of context as the whole verse. um, Because if it was, then it it couldn't be taken out of context. But verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, um, all all things work together for good. It's yeah. So they split it up. This one we could have taken and put in the episode of the things that aren't in the Bible, right? Because what they actually say is, well, I know that God's working everything together for good. Um, that's not what this says. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read it all. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, comma. For those who are called according to his purpose. Ooh, so the Buddhists, not even them? No, if you are an unbeliever, this does not apply to you, okay? This applies to Christians that are called according to God's purpose, which uh, we see in the New Testament when Jesus is is talking talking about these people founding the church. You're supposed to preach the gospel and make disciples. Um, If you're doing that, you're obeying God in your life and and you're, you're... fulfilling um, what he's called us to do, this is a comforting thing for you. This is a, man, even though life sometimes really sucks, like I know that that my difficulties, they're still valid, but God is using those to work together for a greater good, for his purpose to be fulfilled, um, ultimately. This doesn't mean that if you have an unbeliever and they go through something traumatic, that God's going to work something good out of that. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just that's not that's not there. It's not what it says. Well, that makes me think of the uh, you know, of Stephen. You know, um, his life, his his goal, his purpose on life that God gave him was to be martyred. You know, we don't like to talk about that, but that was God's perfect plan for him. It wasn't for him to have his best life now. Right. It was for him to die at the hands of you know his enemies. You know, but it was for the glory of God, and because he did that, that opened up uh, room for you know Paul to later step into that place. You know that that brought glory to God's you know uh, to God's name. That that did a lot of good, even though Stephen wasn't alive on on Earth to see that happen. You know, it still brought glory to God's name. So whatever we go through, we may not see the good that comes out of it on this side of heaven. Um, to get real personal, my brother, um, when he when he passed away, you know, he left behind this legacy. Like the the year before he, you know, passed on, his whole life did a one eighty, and it, he um, was set free from pornography. And he wrote this poem, and now uh, people use it in that church um, to help others 
uh, be set free from pornography. So even though he doesn't get to see um, the good that came out of his life here on Earth, um, you know, there's still good that came out of that. Yeah, God is God is working that together. For yeah. those that love, and that's really good. Um, <clears throat> I see a lot of time, and and we're all guilty of this. This is all something that we have to work on. Um, but but we're so focused on this life. Yeah. Um, and the apostles just weren't. No. The only thing they cared about, they were preaching the gospel in season and out of season, which is when people want to hear it and when they don't. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. They had a message from God, and they're trying to get it done. They're like, I, Paul especially, he's like, I, I want to go home. I, I, wanna, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be with Jesus to be, you know, and that's another one uh, that's used, but we probably won't go into all that. But, but he believed that when he died, he was going to be in the presence of God. Yeah. Um and and he was ready for that. Uh but so many times um in the church it's it's just focused on here and now. Um and we don't have that urgency, you know, to to finish this race. We're all guilty of this. We all need to to get a biblical view of of this time now and the time to come and it um we were talking about this with the gospel. It's just crazy. We have all this lead up um, we have all this time and God's given the law to Israel and we literally have out of all that, we have the best case scenario with God's grace and his, through our salvation, you know, God didn't come back and say, Oh yeah, all those laws, um, you can't keep them. So you're destined for hell. Mm-hmm. All those laws. Well, I'm going to add some more with Jesus, all this stuff. I'm going to keep adding more and, and I'm going to keep, I'm going to give more revelation and I, no, no. That wasn't the purpose of the law. We have the best case scenario. Like, hey, you know all those laws? You don't have to keep them because I did it for you. I died in your place. All you have to do is trust in me. Man, that's, oh, God, that's crazy. We have the best case scenario. And so, and so we've got to reposition. You know, I'm using all those terms. But but reorient, really, it's just renewing your mind, getting in the Word, yeah. and, and, and reminding yourself of these things because life gets busy. Yeah. You know, and then you lose sight of what's important. Um, and, and I know for me, you know, just things happen all the time and, and you just maybe not feel overwhelmed, but, but it's just life is coming at you all the time, you know. So that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel. You need it. You have to have it. Um, you can't live a perfect life, but Jesus did it for you. He doesn't condemn you. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yep. Your sins, your past. Jesus isn't condemning you for it. He's, you know, you're covered by His grace, um, and and He He died in your place. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. It's past sins, current sins, and sins in the future. Like there's nothing you can do to separate uh, yourself from Him, and there's nothing anyone else can do. You yeah. know, it, if you're truly saved. If you're truly saved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that that for me, um, I'd heard that a lot, and I think we all have, especially this this day and age. Well, God's, you know. Like, not trying to be rude, but you know people that are not religious at all, and something traumatic happens, yep. and either they say it or someone else says it. Well, God's working that together for good. You know, He works things together for good. Um, it only applies to His children, and we have to we have to be honest with ourselves about that, and look at our lives, and ask ourselves if 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 we if we are truly saved, um, and then. Ask the Holy Spirit, you know, to convict you in the areas where you need help. Um, I think we can wrap it up with this last one. We're, yeah. We're right at about 30 minutes. Um, so I've heard this before. 
And this is a big one, especially um, in the circle that we're in. Um, and it, it's used in tandem with a verse in Matthew about judging. But we're going to go down this road and find out that that's not actually what it means at all. It's an Old Testament uh, verse, and it, it shows up a few different times. But we're going to read from uh, 1 Chronicles sixteen twenty two. Mm-hmm. You wanna Do you want to read that? Yes, let me just gather real quick. First Chronicles. Yeah, turn in your Bibles. Turn turn your Bibles, please. To First Chronicles sixteen twenty two. Sixteen twenty two. All right. Sixteen twenty two. Um oops. Where am I? Oh there I am. Uh did man, I write that down wrong? No, this this is true. It 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 picks up actually. This oh, is interesting. No, I, had, I had it right. Yep. No, it picks up right in the middle of a sentence. That's what's throwing me off. It's like it's not a new thought. It's actually a continuation of verse twenty-one. So it's it's funny that this is taken out of context because, well, we'll get to that. Well, that's the basis of taking it out of context. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Touch not my anointed ones. Do not uh, do my prophets no harm. Yeah. Now. Now, obviously, what that's, that's talking about is like if you hear, you know, a, a pastor or a preacher, and he's a little off, or maybe you, there's a prophet, or maybe pro- he's way off. Maybe he's way off. Maybe there's a prophet, and you know, he, he maybe this is hypothetical. I don't think it's it's never happened before. <laughs> it's not happening today. <laughs> yeah, but, but let's just say there was a president who didn't get elected, and you're Ooh. like, you know, well, it's okay. You can keep listening to that prophet, but and we don't want to, you know, rebuke them or correct them because that's supposed to touch God's anointed, yeah, right? They're they're so anointed that'd be like you know. What? I think God would even curse you if you if you touch them. You maybe know? Th- maybe in fact God actually hates you. I think so, and you, you can do. take that and shove we're, it. <laughs> we're, we're we're probably being a little much, but there yeah. there are people um, in in the hyper charismatic circle that that have been way more than we just were. Then um, they've condemned a lot of people. And, um, honestly, I'm just going to say it. They, from a biblical standard, they're false prophets. And, and we, we don't mean to make fun in, in a sense to like hurt anyone's feelings or be like, we recognize how serious this is, yeah. but I need to be hyperbolic so that people understand. Well, the situation, the situation. is hyperbolic. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy when you look at it and you're like, I mean, there are people right now that are still saying that that Trump is president now. Like, what's the date? It's it's May it's May sixteenth, and as of I don't know, I probably looked a couple of weeks ago. So let's say the beginning of May, Trump is president and Biden's not. Biden's not recognized in 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 the courts of heaven as president. Um, so I didn't realize president was a heavenly position. <laughs> it's do the angels vote? <laughs> Did Peter get a vote? Yeah. Uh, did John get a vote? Because he's he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's so, true. He probably yeah, gets two votes. He probably gets two, and he I think he probably voted for both sides. Yeah. To yeah. be to be fair, you know. So it's it's crazy, and so yeah, we don't mean to poke fun, um, but it is it's crazy, um, and and people believe so. This verse is used. Um, we've we've seen it be used. Uh, to basically say you can't question these people's um, teaching, what they've said. Um, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be very blunt, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very upfront with this, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but it is spiritual abuse. Yes. 
when when we take clear teachings in Scripture and we don't apply those on purpose, and then we tell other people to not apply those as well, um, and it, it is it's spiritual abuse. Um, the purpose, the purpose. Paul Paul goes in length um, in his letters and his epistles talking about false teachers and false prophets. It is a constant danger which we have to be aware of, and we have to have people in the body that are willing, uh, not because we want to cast uh, any judgment towards a specific person, uh, but the Bible says that these people are wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, what does that mean? They are sometimes hard to distinguish from real Christians, and uh, I'm not going to lump everyone in that category. Some people just have things that they teach that are in error and and they they need to you know be that needs to be brought to their attention they acknowledge it they go find out and they're like oh man i repent that's where we have a public you know repentance i'm sorry for this um but but what i see so often is everyone just goes with the flow um but there are some things that are just objectively wrong and mm-hmm. the bible tells us that they're wrong and then we use verses like this completely out of context so we spent this whole time talking about it taken out of context uh but completely out of context to justify spiritual abuse yes um and it is very serious it causes great harm and that's that's what we as a body we need to look out for our brothers and sisters in Christ um it's not to cast judgment on anyone it is to warn people of bad teaching paul goes on in in length talking to timothy about sound doctrine it is important okay there is a right way to preach the bible there are things in the bible that are non-negotiable and if you think that they are negotiable and someone preaches contrary paul says let them be accursed and he was talking specifically about the gospel but Anyway, so this view, this verse is used um, out of context to do that all the time. So let's talk about the the actual context. What 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 was um, what was God saying in this passage? Well, if you look at it, you know this is a passage where uh, David is reminding you know his people about everything God has done for them, um, and you don't have to go very far up to really begin to get the context. Um, well, how how far up do you want me to read from? Just wherever you... I'm already in Deuteronomy, so I'm not looking oh, at okay. it. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead. Um, when you were few in number, so, you know, when they're... He's, he's going back. Remember, when we were just a little group of people, um, of little account as soldiers. Um, Which just means um, temporary, like... Israel is is told to go different places. Abraham is told to, to go, and he's a sojourner. He's he's a temporary, um, you know. He's like he's camping. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> a happy camper. Yeah. So, but it's um, I, I don't know the actual definition, but um, it's um, a temporary dwelling. You know, yeah. he's, he's just traveling through. Yes, um, wandering from nation to nation, from kingdom um, to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He he rebuked kings on their account, saying. Touch not my anointed ones, uh, do my prophets no harm. Okay, so harm, Physi- yeah. physical harm. Yeah, this is yeah. a literal sense, you know, of God's hand of protection uh, on, pe- on people to make sure they're, they're not being, you know, act- actually killed, actually, you know, tortured it, and beat up. And why is that? 
God had, and this is a this is a great segue to talk about God's sovereignty. Um, God had a plan for these people to be used, um, and His plan was not going to be stopped by any king of this earth, whether you know how, however much power they thought that they had. We see examples of that, and I think you're probably turning there while you're doing that. I'm going to read um, Deuteronomy 7. Um, This just gives more context to that. Um, Israel has always historically been a smaller nation. Um, They they needed God's protection to get where they were at. Without God's protection, um, we wouldn't see Israel as a nation as it is today. Um, But Deuteronomy 7, 7 Um, I'll back up to to verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you, for you were the the fewest of all people. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I just think about this, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course. God... Wouldn't you? And I know that Rome wasn't around when this was being written. But look, let's just say you know God. Let's say Rome was around at the height at the height of of the empire, and God chooses Rome to be His people. Well, they can't. They won anyways. They you know had all these conquests and and they they ruled a good portion a good portion of the world. God was choosing a weak small number of people so that his power could be shown you know it, it'd be a it'd be a miracle when we see that that these people um i think of um man what's the guy with the fleece oh um, uh gideon gideon yeah and and how god god kept telling him to send people away when he was mm-hmm. preparing for this battle and in the end they really didn't even have to fight yeah you know god fought the battle for them basically so god uses this this small nation um, so that his power can be clearly seen through them. Well, that's funny. The nations that were around back then before Rome, you know, you think of Egypt, uh, the Persians, the Babylonian Empire, the Philistines, they all had their own gods. The Lord, you know, made a fool out of all those nations. You know, he 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 used the this little insignificant people to bring about these miracles and glory to his name. And, you know, Egypt and the Philistines, they all had to bow and acknowledge that, you know? Yeah. Do you want to, um, are you in Genesis 20? Oh, I'm in Samuel. Okay. Yeah. You go ahead and read that. And I'm going to turn to Genesis. So this is another instance in first Samuel 24, uh, verse six. Um, so to give a little context, David, he's being chased not, by, not our David, but yeah, not King me. David. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a little odd. Um, <laughs> He's being chased by King Saul. He's hiding in caves. And now, you know, King Saul, he, he's vulnerable. You know, he's, uh, and, and David's sneaking out. And his men are like, go ahead, just cut his head off. You know, be done with it, you know. And um, so uh, David responds. Uh, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed to put on my uh, hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So they receive, again, this is, physical harm yeah. this is it, even yeah. if you want to say i mean that is a that is a clear passage but david had people that <clears throat> that were already loyal to him um and and saul this was after um after the spirit of god had removed itself from saul and god had sent him an evil spirit to torment him because of his failings as a king 
um, it wasn't that David wasn't talking about the bad things that Saul was doing. It was it was literal literal physical harm. Yep. Um, so even open rebuke. I mean, David had his own followers. Um, David was was helped by Saul's son Jonathan, um, and and obviously part of that was like, oh well, your father's gone crazy. Yeah. You know. So um, the way that it's used today with rebuke, um, calling out people that apparently have these ministries that are from God. That's not biblical at all. We see another instance in Genesis 20. I'm not going to read all this because it's it's most of the chapter, but um, the summarization of Genesis 20 is um, Abraham gets scared. He thinks that someone is going to kill him because his wife is is attractive. Um, so he says, oh, well, this is my sister. You know, I'm not her husband. Obviously, he doesn't say that because that'd be odd. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not married. But anyways, he's... <laughs> he, um, he gets scared and he says that Sarah is his is his um sister and the king takes um takes his wife and long story short God appears to this king um I'll try to pronounce it I mean it's not hard but it's probably the accent that we're lacking right uh Abimelech Abimelech sure yeah let's let's say that <laughs> anyways God God appears to him um God appears to him and is like, you've taken another man's wife. You're going to die. And all, all that's yours. Cursed him, basically. And so Abimelech comes back to Abraham. And he says, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that, have you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to, the, to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did what I thought. There, um, I did... I did it because I thought so. He's he's saying he's giving the explanation. Why did you say that this was your sister? Um, he said because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Um, and then later, what we see, um, Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah his wife to him. Um, and then later he says, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. I mean, so this is a king just talking to a random guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't because of who Abraham was. It was because of who Abraham's God was. That's right. And he had the fear of the Lord, which we both, David and I, think that we're missing a lot of times. Yeah. Um, God appeared to him in a dream, and he's like, Oh, yeah, do you can stay wherever you want. Here's your wife, please. And then at, at the end... Um, Abraham prays over um, Abimelech, and he's healed, and and his wife and his female servants mm-hmm. <laughs> are no longer barren. So it's it's a different time. But anyways, that's that's a biblical understanding of what that First Chronicles um, passage meant. Um, Israel needed help. Yeah. Is really what it comes down to, and that's why God chose them so that His glory could be revealed um, by a small um, nation. Yeah. So. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, like I said, we're going to be probably picking back up in Romans. Every once in a while, we'll do a, a detour episode like this just to um, maybe talk about not really in response to current events, but maybe the, the current state of the church. But uh, we're going to try to stick to to passages. Um, once we get done with Romans, we'll we'll move on to something else. Yeah. So do we? Uh, you want to pray and end this out? Yeah, I can pray. Uh, Lord God. 
uh, thank you that you've given us the opportunity to be able to discern your word and understand it correctly, Lord God. And I ask anyone that listens to this, Lord, that you just touch their heart today, God, if they've never accepted you as your as their Lord and Savior, Lord God, that they would just um, be receptive of your gospel, Lord, and that make uh, you your uh, their Lord and Savior uh, right now. And we just, just thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next week. See you later. Oh,